Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? Thanks for watching our next premier media podcast. Every week we get to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Hopefully, question. Can you believe it's already been 100 days of strike? I'm your host, Ashley Obley. Joining me today, Dylan Blatt. As of today, or? No, just this past week, I believe. Okay, so what day were you actually up to? I don't know, 105, 106? You're lying. It's been 100 days of strike. I think every day counts. Every day counts. You know, I just want to get your wording right on that one, is what I'm going to say. I mean, it doesn't take away that there has literally been 100 days of strike. They've been striking for 100 days. Who? The writers. How about the actors? I mean, some of them struck early because they were also writers, but technically they got a strike <laughs> started 100 days, over 100 days ago, you know. All right. Come back to me when uh, we can have our anniversaries. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't get that far, you know, <laughs> celebrating one year. Um, oh, yeah. On today's episode, we'll be talking about what's in our watch tree, talking about some news, giving some thumbs to trailers and giving you this week's top three. Uh, kicking things off, I finished watching the new Apple TV series Hijack, starring Idris Elba, um, in which a plane gets hijacked. Shocking. Um, so you probably all remember the big talking point out of this is that it all takes place in real time. Uh, seven episodes, the flight takes seven hours. Uh, so the event's got to happen. Uh, of course, Idris Elba plays like he's a uh, like a business closer. Uh, he like he closes deals. Uh, he gets on a flight from Abu Dhabi to London. Uh, the plane gets hijacked, and he decides, "I'm going to talk my way out of this situation, uh, so at least I'll survive." Uh, and twists and turns kind of go th- happen along the way. Um, you follow the events on the plane, but then you also follow the events on the ground in like the uh, no the ftac i think it's called like the the british like local like plane aircraft management i don't know i don't know the actual terms but the people who like look at all the planes going through all over the world and that kind of stuff uh and then you also have like the uh, british government um and then there's this massive conspiracy kind of going on at the same time that they're trying to figure out why did they hijack the plane what are their motives uh, how did it all take place and that kind of thing, which is unveiled over the, the seven episodes. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I watched the first episode when it debuted, <laughs> and then I only caught up like in the last week. Yeah, I, I remember saying, <laughs> I saw you watch the first one and you, you never brought it up on here, so I was like, oh, I guess no, it wasn't. I, thought, I figured <laughs> I would wait until I saw more than one episode and did not get around to watching the rest of it till this week. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely a show that gets its hooks into you. Uh, and then, you know, as the event slowly starts to unravel, uh, you can't help but watch another episode and got pretty solid cliffhangers each episode. Um, so you're saying it's the new 24. I don't think it's the new 24 one because I don't think it's, I, I would be highly surprised if there is a second season, especially given the name. Um, but you know. It's possible, you know. He somehow gets on a plane again, and it's, it's like hijacking. Oh, no, it has to be a different vehicle. It has to be ah, a different vehicle. Yeah, true, true, true. Bus. It's hijacked. Boat. Cruise edition. Yeah. Or cruise control. It's like speed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. 
but yeah, I found it really good. Like um, some solid performances. Um, yeah, lots of really good twists and turns. Uh, it actually looks really good as well. Like in compa- compared to a lot of stuff, like lots of sweeping pan shots and stuff. Because inside it, the plane, I sh- yeah, I assume they actually got a f- the plane, and we're filming like in a plane. Uh, which would be difficult because of all the tight spaces and like getting in and around that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I did find that there's a couple of annoying characters. Like there's this mum character who's got two kids. It's just a, you know, just a terrible, terrible person. You know, very annoying. You know, she doesn't understand how uh, carry-on luggage works, and that you know, the the things above you are not yours; they're a collective. Mm. yeah you know and she thinks you know she's high and mighty above everybody else because she's a mum. she can do things other people can't um but yeah other than that really enjoyable uh yeah the only other only other thing is it does have a very similar plot line to another apple tv show that came out this year like like it's very interesting if you watched two Spy-centric shows on Apple TV Plus this season. <laughs> Oddly similar. Um, but yeah, I found Hijack very interesting. So I would recommend that. Uh, and then I also, also on Apple TV Plus, I watched uh, Strange Planets. So have you seen the webcomic Strange Planet? Uh, no. I, I know. I, I looked this up after like I saw it pop up on there. But yeah, yeah yes, I didn't know it was based on anything. Yeah, so it's like a series done by Nathan W. Pyle in which it features like a bunch of aliens kind of explaining what different human things like very weirdly. Yeah, just the way aliens would look at the way humans do things and that kind of stuff. Um, there, I, I mean, I've seen some, but I didn't know. Like, I, I thought they were just couple random memes you would see around the internet because most of the comics are just four panel yeah um, four panel that kind of stuff like it's just two panels set up and then like you know it's just it's hard to explain but they're just this they're very simple but smart they're simple but smart but yeah i, I didn't yes. realize there was as many of them as there apparently is yes yes so now it's an animated tv show on apple tv plus co-created by dan Harmon. <laughs> mm. Uh, in which these blue beings uh, explore like the complexities of human existence and that kind of stuff. Um, it is weird. <laughs> it's 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 just very wordy. I think is the thing that it, it's going to throw a lot of people because um, which is they weird don't. Comics. There is very few things that they call by the the actual terms that we use it by. It's like. Uh, the first episode is like an, on an aeroplane, but they don't call it an aeroplane. They call it like an oblong flying device. And then it's like uh, the air hostesses are not air hostesses. They're comfort uh, experts. You know, they they want to just make sure everybody's comfortable, increase their comfort. Um, nobody says found, thank you. They say one. <laughs> I found one I could try to explain. I was trying to find a simple one for people who haven't seen this. So it's like the two blue aliens sitting in a room. One brings in a cat in its hand and it says, I found this. And then the other alien says, great. And the person holding the cat says, it's vibrating. And another alien says, that means it's working. And then it asks, what does it excel at? And the other person says, scratching. 
And then the next panel, cat suddenly disappeared. And then he says, also hiding. And then the other alien says, an ideal companion. That's basically how they play out. Yes. Similar, yeah. Yeah, so it's a very weird, socially awkward show. Um, Yeah, it's it's an interesting, quirky one. Yeah, that I'm, you know, I don't know. I feel like I needed to watch them in isolation. Like, I don't, I watched the first three episodes back to back. Um, It's interesting. The first one is like a very standalone episode where it's like, the, none of the characters carry over, and then the second episode, the characters carry over into the third episode. Um, so whether that's a thing going forward or there's going to be a mix of the two, I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, I, I it's it's very clever, but hard to follow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 one of the more odd shows that I've seen recently. Do I recommend it? I would say give it a try. You know. Um. Yeah. The first episode also features a band called the Four Sensations, and the lead singer quits because she she can't sing sad songs anymore because she's in a relationship. Uh, and then they become the Three Sensations, but they suck. <laughs> but Is then it, um... they almost die in an airplane, and they come up with a song saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I don't want to die," and it becomes a massive hit. So, is it all ages? Like kids too. I would say it's pretty all ages, but um, yeah, because the comics are. It's just very wordy, so I don't know if it'll yeah. hit for kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then I also watched the first two episodes of Only Murders in the Building season three. This season follows the murder of Paul Rudd. Ah, oh, no, but Paul Rudd plays like a. He's an actor or something, right? He plays an actor like a film bro. No, no. Um trying to think who imagine chris pratt starts <laughs> acting <laughs> he, he, he starts doing theater mm. and then he gets murdered right yeah you know so this, my, this, my, my, here's my big question so when they announce paul rod's in it and they like i watch the trailer and you see the they didn't announce place. he dies at the end of the first season no, no, but I knew oh, this already. He died at the end of the second season. That was in the second season finale. Right, okay. Um, but So he, he's he's still listed as one of the main cast members, so is there flashbacks or something? Yeah, there's flashbacks, and uh, one of the characters has, you know, dream sequences where she imagines he's there. Yeah. But he plays, he was in a, a big film series called Cobro, mm. in which he plays a friendly veterinarian who turns into a massive cobra and helps people solve crimes. Nice. And there was also in an ongoing TV show called Girl Cop, in which he was he helps a girl cop. Yeah, but then he gets murdered, <laughs> and then they're at a Broadway show, or does he? Uh, and then you know they have to, you know, the team gets brought back in to figure out his murder uh, because you know that's fun. Uh, yeah, interesting setup. Uh, the other big get for this season is Meryl Streep. Uh, who plays like an actress who doesn't get her big break until she's in her 60s, 70s. So um, very un-Meryl Streep-like. But she's really enjoyable so far. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's another season of Lonely Murder, so uh, can't complain too much. The characters have moved forward a little bit. Um, You know, the first two seasons are very closely tied together. They're like, the events kind of happened back to back, and obviously there was a bit of a time jump between these two seasons. So, uh, yeah. If you haven't been watching Only Murders, this is uh, time to jump in, I guess. 
So Dylan, I saw on your tracks you've watched Summoning the Spirit. What is Summoning the Spirit? What is Summoning the Spirit? Oh, right. Uh, Summoning the Spirit. <laughs> I'm so... I nearly need you to start giving me a list because the amount of times you're like, you watch this, I'm like, what's that? Um, <laughs> it's this... It was actually... It was pretty good. Uh, the poster, I got to say straight away, if you look up the film, it looks like... It looks like the worst movie poster. Yes. It is terrible. Like, it is, it is a really, really bad poster. Um, but the movie was actually quite good. So, I don't know what's going on there. Obviously, it's an, it's an indie... Um, it's not a horror film. See, I will say, I, w- I looked at the poster and then I checked out, um, you know, email to make sure there wasn't some sort of embargo. No, there's um, no embargo. Not that I can see. Uh, what was it? Hang on, let me find the email. Because it says, co- it compares it to A24 features like Midsummer. I'm like, this this movie with this poster? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's a stretch to compare it to, you know, PR's trying to do what they need to do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the movie's basically, ignore the poster, don't look at that. Um, movie's basically about this couple who literally brought this um, house out in the middle of um, nowhere. And they were, the movie starts when they're like the, the wife's pregnant and then sort of skips ahead and she's had a miscarriage and they've just brought this massive place thing and they was going to have a family and everything. So there's a little bit of like sort of split between the, the two, the, the, the husband's a writer, he's struggling to write all this sort of stuff. Um, and then they, one day they meet, uh, well, when the wife's driving home, she meets this uh, woman and drops her off at the, the house next door to them. And by house next door, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a 15-minute walk through a forest. Like, they're, they're, you know, pretty big properties and stuff like that. Um, and it turns out they're basically living next door to a cult, if you want, or a <laughs> bunch of hippies who are running this thing where they more or less... Uh, although I don't think they ever say the name, they are—they uh, sort of—I don't know how to word it. They—they they believe in Bigfoot, and they believe that uh, you know he's the spirit of the forest and looks after uh, after them, and they're going to do all these things to you know to appease him and all that sort of stuff. Um, I've I've definitely not ever watched a movie that's like been about Bigfoot as a spirit in this sort of way um which is why it's called something the spirit or something that people would care to um pray to in some regards and stuff like that but um yeah i mean it's got a lot of really good i I thought all the performances were really really strong um it's definitely got a lower budget in in terms of some of the when you get down to some of the special effects but even that is like quite good but thematically this this it i guess that's where they're getting the a24 stuff the comparison to Midsummer, that sort of cultish vibe of the um, where the that film set and something like that, because a lot of the, not all of, there's a lot of stuff in this movie actually takes place during day, um, but it's sort of weird. It's that off weird feeling about like you know that something's weird's going to happen here with these these people, even though they're they're doing drugs and dancing around and being hippies and stuff like that. Um, the 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 Bigfoot monster itself is a person in a suit. Um, which actually looks quite good. So instead of going for like terrible CGI, um, having someone in a suit works out a lot better for this, I think. Um, and scoring everything was quite good. So yeah, I was surprised. I mean, honestly, same reaction as you. I so when this email popped through, 
was like I'm, I'm flicking through going is there anything of interest here and i'm reading the descriptions and i, <laughs> I watched the trailers and i watched the trailer for this one i go that actually looks interesting i might be down for that and i give it a quick google and see the poster pop up and i go whoa <laughs> that looks like the that looks like a five dollar book cover i would see at a news agency for <laughs> some cheap sort of uh cheap novel but yeah uh yeah i, I actually quite enjoyed this one all right uh well let's move into the mandatory netflix segment of the show uh, Dylan, you watched Monsters Inside, The 24 Faces of Billy Milligan. Yes, yeah, so I, I didn't know anything about Billy Milligan at all. Uh, do you know anything about Billy Milligan? No. Never heard of him? Yeah, so apparently this, he's massive, massive court case in history because uh, the only person, I think is what they said, only person to sort of uh, be tried under and then sort of plead insanity because of um fuck i can't remember what's actual multiple personalities what's actual oh, what's the term what's the term uh did that's what we're yes there we go did so now for now what we would call did back then this is of course uh when this is all happening because he uh he's accused of raping several women around a campus he says it wasn't me it was you know i don't remember doing that I'd do all this thing um, they start, remember, they, you know, get psychiatrists and all that sort of stuff, and they discover there's uh, Billy Milligan has what we would now call DID, uh, dissociative identity disorder, uh, multiple personalities or whatever, you, you know, you've, it's been called over the years. Um, but a lot of this, the, I, the thing about this film is, even though DID is now considered, like, is definitely, like, something that, isn't really up for debate anymore these days this film still has a lot of and they you they're always old dudes who were around back then during the case who don't believe billy milligan uh who believe everything billy milligan said was a liar um they're like did's they basically say it's a it's all a ruse like it's not real thing and all that sort of stuff so um they that, like having those people have a voice was slightly frustrating because i'm like well that's just i don't know like you could just discuss certain elements of him but i know saying it's not a real thing is i don't think that's up for debate anymore anyway um interesting story interesting court case and everything that happened uh in the in the late 70s or whatever it was and um his life after that and how it all played out and um yeah just uh i thought it was good i didn't think it was over long actually i think it was like four episodes and this one actually justified four episodes compared to most of these series where i'm like it probably should have just been three but Mm. yeah no i enjoyed it and then the other thing i found out which i didn't know after my reading you know that that series that tom holland's been in on the apple tv plus at the moment um yeah the crowded house yep so that's based on Billy Milligan. that's based on billy milligan oh which I did not know. He's he's not called it. He's not uh, called Billy Milligan, and it's not uh, exactly Billy Milligan, but that is based on a book written about Billy Milligan, and they've changed the names and stuff. Okay, so there you go. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, then you also watch Poison: The Dirty Truth About Your Food. Are you still eating? Uh, no, I decided to quit. Fair enough. Moving on. Uh, no, this this was quite good. Uh, it did make me worry. Uh, it it is, feels like watching a horror movie at times. Luckily, it's all set in America, so you know you can you just be like, hopefully it's different here because <laughs> <laughs> they're you know they they cover this you know mass case. I can't remember what fast food restaurant it was. Not 
one we have, like not a McDonald's or something, but something that happens in this mass case about like uh, cooking food incorrectly, someone like dying from it and some kid. And they they cover that court case and like how that led to a change of legislation up to current day America. But then they're like saying current day America, the problem is that they have all the 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 cattle farms or whatever you want to call it, or the meat farms. They're basically next to the fruit and veg or whatever farms so you know they're killing all these cows and the cows are pooping and shitting in the water and then the water's being used <laughs> to clean your lettuce and then they have this they have this girl who's like she brought a salad from a, a fucking you know a coffee shop or whatever and then she basically couldn't walk for several years because of this, the whatever she cooked and all these terrible things that just make you go oh my god the world is not safe um yeah it's a horror movie but uh, the and the, the the I don't want to spoil. Actually, no, fuck it. I'm spoiling then to make you want to watch it. But the the fuck part at the end that got me is they test. I think it's 120 something different uh, supermarkets across all of America, different parts of America. They test 120 something, and they buy like a different pack of mixed salad or something from there. And 36 percent came back positive for salmonella or some shit like that. I was like, that's such a high number. That's 36 percent. That's fucking high as hell. Anyway, good luck with that, America. Um, hopefully, we're not. Uh, hopefully, and the Mount Times, they made sure they have this big seg- segment intercut with like politicians and whatever else talking about how America has the safest food system, <laughs> you know, like all that sort of in the world and all that, all that sort of stuff. I'm like, uh, you obviously don't. I don't know if we do in Australia, but all I can hope is that it's better than yours. <laughs> is how I feel because yeah, so. As, as the best horror movie I've watched all week, that movie. All right. Uh, all right. Well, that's everything in our watch history. Let's move into a little bit of film news. Um, again, lots of stuff about the strike. Uh, interestingly, a couple of other potential unions are starting up. Uh, in the summer of 2022, it became widespread knowledge that Marvel Studios was paying playing swiftly and unfairly with its many, many visual effects teams. News spread that visual effects houses became engaged in bitter underbidding wars. Various VFX vendors had to lowball Marvel in order to get the work they needed. What's more, many of the Marvel higher-ups infamously made a lot of last-minute requests of VFX teams, leading to the corny of the phrase, getting pixel fucked. Uh, VFX artists were often asked to scrap work they'd spent weeks on, only to redo everything in the last minute. This became the accepted reason why the VFX on Thor, Love and Thunder, and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law had such cheap-looking visuals. Uh, well, now, according to the International Alliance of Theatrically Theatrical Stage Employers website, the VFX in- industry has not been unionized since the 1970s. That, however, may soon change. On Monday, 50 members of the onset Marvel VFX team asked uh, I. IATSE to appeal to the National Labor Relations Board to vote on the potential reform of the VFX union. According to a recent article on Vulture, the election may be held as early as 21st of August. 50 members of the VFX board represent 170,000 people who work on Marvel special effects. This would represent a sea change in the industry that relies embarrassingly heavy on VFX. Uh, I think a move that we would all be very much on board with. Yeah, I mean... VFX uh, being overworked, underpaid has been a long known thing, especially within Marvel, uh, Marvel Disney. So none of that's surprising at all. And, you know, fuck it. Just do it all at once, you know? 
Just shut down the whole fucking industry. Let's just fix the entire industry before yeah. we start. Why, why wait? You know what I mean? Just fucking go for it. But no, that's a, that's a well-known one. That's a, you know, why was why does this special effect look bad in Black Panther? Um, Because they paid us to do it in two mums at $2 an hour. You know, like, well, that's the over-exaggeration, but that's the sort of thing and story you would quite often hear, so. Yeah. Uh, then the other union-related story, uh, Real Housewives star Bethany Frankel has got a powerful new ally in her push for reality TV performance to unionize and join the actors on the picket lines, SAG-AFTRA. Uh, the Guild said Thursday it has spoken with Frankel's attorney, entertainment lawyer, entertainment lawyer Brian Friedman, about the treatment of reality performers and said that other performers Friedman represents can indeed be covered under the Guild's network code. Uh, Frankel has been leading the charge for reality stars to be unionized for almost as long as the actors have been on strike. In just a short time, her efforts have escalated to other famous reality stars joining her cause. Uh, and even Friedman and Garagos sending a litigation hold letter to NBC Universal on behalf of a group of unnamed clients who appeared on shows on Bravo, E+, and CNBC. On July 19th, Frankel in an Instagram post wondered why reality TV stars are still working pointing out that reality stars don't get paid shit in residuals despite ratings that can often surpass other scripted programming. And she also called out ways in which reality TV stars are exploited. She revealed that in her first season of the reality television, she was paid just $7,250. And she called on stars to stop filming network and streaming content until other shows that are generating money for the studios for free are taken down. Uh, should reality TV show stars be paid... Should they be residuals? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's an interesting one because uh is it reality TV show or is it documenting? You know? Uh, Should well, people in documentaries be paid? Should reality sh- like what's the distinction? Mm. The distinction is it's not really reality TV, it's just fucking bullshit is what it is. But yeah. anyway, um I think that if this leads to someone fuck it, you know. As much as I don't like her, if you can get a if you can get a Kim Kardashian or someone on the picket line, that's massive. <laughs> so whatever, you know, like you get someone someone as big as that or some reality star equivalent to that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, it's a weird one. Like, uh, I mean, if a show is running for several seasons, do I think the cast members should be paid? Yes. If it's the you know, but do I want want de- documentary subjects to get? paid to be documented i don't know no I, well do- documentary subjects being paid is is a no-no right is a no-no because that's yeah i can't think of the word that's a, like a it's like a, influences the yeah, yeah that's a, that kind of stuff yeah no. but then i don't know then you have to put a distinction on reality television like it is not a documentary it's like yeah because a lot of these shows are like watching them go about their daily lives you know but if they're being paid, it's like, yeah, it's a weird, weird I line. guess the, the difference is, like, what's the difference between reality TV and documentary? Other than one being trash and not TV. Yeah, it's not. just our interpretation of it, I guess. Well, documentaries have a point of view at the end of the day. The director usually, like, they still lead a story, you know, this, like all that sort of stuff. Reality TV is literally just, do you like this celebrity? Here's what it's like to be, like... Watch their rich life, so you can. But they've got storylines and things like that as well. So yeah, but they just cut around. They've got a point. They'll be like, "How about this week your car breaks down or some shit?" Like, (laughs) 
then the, they drive. I don't oh, think they're going around cutting down. cars. My car broke down. <laughs> I really wasn't expecting this. Whoa. It's crazy, uh, man. I don't know if it works like that. But oh. okay. Um, yeah. So, again, just pay everybody, please. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, the multiverse has officially come home with the digital release of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse earlier this week. And already, it's an exclusive so tracking down that uh, down what has changed since the film was in theaters. It was confirmed back in June that multiple versions of the animated film existed in the wild that a few viewers picked up due to small changes in dialogue effects and more. With a home release now, the Hollywood Handle editor Christopher Gallardo compiled a thread on Twitter of all the confirmed differences between the digital and theatrical cuts. Amid the many changes in, in Across Spider-Verse that added visuals and dialogue in certain scenes, one example which audiences previously pointed out is theaters was a scene near the beginning when Miguel O'Hara's digital assistant Lila poses while teasing him uh, about needing backup, which was has since been changed to include a shot of her taking a selfie with him. Uh, other big changes include Hobby Brown, uh, who now has lyrics to his intro song, a uh, bunch of different Spidey Sense lines around Miles, new text dialogue for Typeface, new color palette and a scene between Gwen and her dad, and new dreads plus better shading for the Earth-42 Prowler Miles. Uh, Dylan, how do you feel about the digital released version of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse being different to the one in theaters? I fucking... I I flicked through the 50-odd tweet thread that I think is going around where someone points out every single change that they could find. And every time I went, "Eh, eh." like, really, it just makes me go why like if that's the version that they wanted like so here's another case of like okay well special effects and you know like animators and yeah you animated all these different versions yeah like Like, i i just just fucking whatever i i don't none of the changes change the movie for me whatever none of them are hand shot super like level like they're just off to the side like small changes it's not like they changed a key plot line you know This isn't uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not. It's like whatever. I don't fucking care. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's odd, and it's going to have that uh, you know, Mandela effect where people will be like, "Oh, wasn't that line in that movie? No, it was cut." You know, and every single version that we can see now, it's not in there. You know, but people who went to see it in theaters will remember he said, "Nah, I'm going home." But now he's not going to say that anymore. I don't remember any of the lines that well after one viewing to have this make any sort of difference on my second viewing when that happened. That's fair. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, odd. <laughs> it's just an odd change. Why wouldn't you just stick with a version you have of theaters? But I don't know. You do you, Sony and Spider-Man team. You know? uh, the Emmys, they've been moved, unsurprisingly. Uh, according to Variety, the star-studded celebration will now play take place on Monday, January 15th, 2024. Reportedly, Fox and Television Academy are pushing for very different postponements. The latter apparently held out hope that the Emmys would manage to be pushed back to only November. Fox, seemingly reading the tea leaves that the dual strikes will likely drag on for quite a while, ultimately went out with a more realistic time frame of January. Uh, do we think the strikes will actually be finished by January? No. Um, <laughs> No. Just, oh, no. 
And will people care about the television seasons that will be in the Emmys when the the Emmys come around? Did you say do people care about the Emmys? No, will people care about no. what's nominated for the Emmys? Like oh, it's we will. the first season of the Bear, which came out June last year, is nominated for an Emmys that will be presented Post-season. in January twenty twenty four. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know? Rhea Seahorn will lose her her nomination nah, for a show that came out in 2022 in 2024, is what only, I'm saying. You know? The only good thing about this whole thing is she has more, more time to campaign. More time to campaign, that's right. Can you campaign for an Emmy if you're on strike? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the only move they could make. Because, you know, it. it's also interesting because they pointed out uh, it comes... The time frame is very close to the uh, was it the Critics' Choice Awards as well as the Golden Globes, which are held on the fourteenth and seventeenth of January as well. Um, so you know, lots of award season stuff happening around the same time. I just remember and then you... that'll be weird because the old Golden Globes television categories will be for the year before, but then the Emmys will be for the year before that. Yeah, so it's a whole thing. Is what it is. Whatever. What are they going to do? Just not do them? I don't know. <laughs> That's true. That's a very fair point. Um, I don't. I don't know how you solve this problem, but you know, somebody should. <laughs> do they just do they just do a press conference? Here are the winners. Done. Yeah, fucking. Yeah. You know? Send it out on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Go out to the picket line. Give yeah. out the awards. Give out the awards on the picket line. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Dylan, would you believe it if I said Rotten Tomatoes is 25 years old? Fuck. No. It's crazy. Yes. So Rotten Tomatoes launched August 12th, 1998. Uh, of course, a spare time project by Sen Yong. Apparently, his objective in creative t- Rotten Tomatoes was to create a site where people can get access to reviews from a variety of critics in the U.S., as a fan of Jackie Chan, Juong was inspired to create a website after collecting all the reviews of Chan's Hong Kong action films uh, as they were being released in the United States. The catalyst of the creation of the website was Rush Hour, 1998, uh, Chan's first major Hollywood crossover, which was originally planned to be released in August 1998. Juong coded the website in two weeks, and the site went live the same month of the release of Rush Hour was delayed until September. <laughs> Crazy. Um... Dylan, Rotten Tomatoes. It was or? called Rotten Tomatoes from the start. I'm guessing. Okay. It, I'm reading from the Wikipedia article, and it doesn't state otherwise. Uh, of course, it's changed hands several times since then. Uh, it was bought by IGN in 2004. Then it was purchased by uh, no IGN was then bought by Fox in 2005. IGN then sold the website to Flickster in 2010. Then it was acquired by Warner Brothers in 2011. Uh, and then was sold to Fandango in 2016. So, crazy history of the site. Dylan has Rotten Tomatoes has an, had a net positive or net negative on the film industry. Uh, negative. <laughs> Do <Right>. I, elaborate? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I feel. Well, hold on. I feel like it's had a negative not on the film industry, but the public's perception of how on the to, film uh, watching yeah film watching and take and how to 
or like what like to taking film criticism i guess would be the correct um you know people aren't so the site started as a someone not saying that they were collecting all the positive reviews but just wanting to collect all the reviews of this jackie jam movie um yeah a place to correlate them all and get an average of the score and whatever else cool um and i that's still what rotten tomatoes does but at the end of the day all people do is go rotten tomatoes says this thing is a 79 68 it's shit cool but there could Mm. be a review there that's a 10 out of 10 is anyone reading that I mean, I'm sure some people are, but no one, like most of the time, you know what I mean? Like the public, the way they interact and use Rotten Tomatoes, I think has had a, a, a negative on how people deal with film criticism and even games criticism, everything else, like any sort of, like pop culture criticism, I guess. Yeah, I think a lot of weight has been put on whether a movie is fresh or not. Um, uh, you know, like, like whether people go back and watch movies, like if something is gen- is considered rotten, like the general moviegoer will not watch it. You know, mm. although you know, saying that something comes on Netflix like Wood Woodpecker, which I'm suspecting didn't have a positive score on Netflix, and then everybody watches it. So what do I know? Um, the yeah, I don't know. How do you? I also read an article from a like a reviewer, like a or like an author, like last week or something, saying that he doesn't read reviews to learn if he wants to watch a movie anymore. He reads reviews post watching the movie. Do you think that Rotten Tomatoes has kind of changed that idea uh, of of reviews being informative? Or well, no, I feel like there's they they've always been both. So I'm like. Growing up, I used to love getting film magazines mm. and I'd read reviews for movies I was excited about. And I would, if I read ones that gave the movie a bad score or a good score, it didn't matter because I was excited. And it was just reading people's opinions um, yes. in the lead up to it. These days, I don't really read reviews until after I've watched something just because I like to keep my uh, opinions clean until okay. I've watched it myself sort of thing, even if I'm not planning to write a review, but I'm may still speak better on here or whatever uh so any sort of review i'm reading i'm just reading so i can like just for sake of reading it. the same for game reviews like i just yeah i'm, I'm reading it because i like the, this person's thoughts and maybe i read a game review or a movie review that completely disagrees but i don't care like i'm just reading it for there i'm like oh that's interesting uh you know i don't feel the same way but you know i'm the same person can move on with my life <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah i feel like like, I, I brought a book from Andrew, The Curb. Yes. just a lot of film criticism, a lot of old movies and stuff, but they're good to read. Yeah. Because they're just still interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Although, you know, people listening to us probably have not watched the movies that we're talking about, I would imagine, every single time. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to think. Like, I have also, like just generally stuck away from reviews like unless i've un- unless i've watched it you know uh also because i want to inform my own opinion i guess <laughs> most of the time uh unless it's something that is not coming out for a while in which i'll you know uh, that, you know like uh i've like for example i've not watched any reviews or 
rating reviews for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mean Mayhem. Because I want to watch it already. Holy fuck. Well, it's out in the States. Is it? Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yes. So that helps. Uh, but, you know, for other smaller stuff, like, or stuff on the bubble, I guess, I'm happy to go read a review, check a headline, check a score, that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I, I feel like stuff out of, review, um, review reading or the way we use reviews has changed. Yeah. Well, I read a lot of stuff out of a Sundance or something like that because a lot of those films reading reviews out of Sundance is a it's like getting it on your radar. Less so than yes. like it's not a known property already. Like I like reading a review may 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 suddenly have it on our radar sort of thing. Yeah. Even if it's a bad review, still be like that oh, movie that sounds, sounds fucking wild. <laughs> like yeah. I need to. Doesn't matter that you gave it one star. Like. All right. Uh, let's move into giving some thumbs to trailers, and of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Kick things off with Fair Play, directed by Chloe Dormont. Uh, starring Phoebe Denevor, Algern Einreich, Eddie Marson, and Rich Summer. When a coveted promotion at a cutthroat financial firm rises, once supportive exchanges between lovers Emily and Luke begin to sour into something more sinister. As the power dynamics, irre- as the power dynamics irrevocably shift in their relationship, the couple must face the true price of success and the unnerving limits of ambition. Dylan, what did you think of this Sundance darling? Yeah, double thumbs up. Really, really keen for this one. Um, nothing but good word of mouth, as we've been talking about, uh, coming out of this one. So keen to watch it. Trailer's, trailer's definitely a thumbs up, for sure. It's a very well put together, thrilling trailer that gets you, you know, like, like stressed out watching the trailer, alone, stressed you're going to watch the movie sort of thing. So, um, yeah, super, super keen to watch this one myself. Yeah, this looks really good. Like, it definitely feels like a throwback to thrillers that we haven't seen, like, in a while, but also, like, uh, very modern with the modern-day power dynamics of the, a woman earning more than a man, uh, which really shouldn't be that common <laughs> or seem that odd that that would happen. Um, but, yeah, looks like really good performances, uh, really well-cut trailer, so, yeah. I'm very keen for this one. This is coming to Netflix on the 13th of October uh, with the potential of Australia, of a theatrical release. I saw no dates here in Australia, but at least in the US, they're getting selected theatres. Next trailer is for You Are So Not Invited to My Bats Mitzvah, uh, directed by Sammy Cohen, starring Sunny Sandler, Samantha Lorraine, Idina Menzel, Jackie Sandler, Adam Sandler, Sadie Sandler, Dylan Hoffman, Sarah Sherman, Dan Bula. Ido Masiri, Jackie Hoffman, and Louis Guzman. Stacey and Lita are BFFs who have always dreamed about having epic batsmiths. Uh, however, things start to go comically awry when a popular boy in middle school drama threaten their relationship uh, and their rite of passage. Tillon, what did you think of uh, Nepotism, the movie? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go double thumbs up for this trailer, actually. I was surprised. I uh, you sent me an Adam Sandler, tra- Sandler trailer. I assume I'm going to hate it. Uh, <coughs> I start watching it. I see his whole fucking family's in it, <laughs> in main roles, not just supporting. Like they quite often are. I'm like Jesus Christ. Um, but no, it looks. It actually looks like a fun um, kids or family movie or whatever. I guess. Um, seeing it's based on a book and it's not like actually Adam Sandler's crowd of people. I guess helps just because it's just like he's 
it's a whole Sandler family just cast in something, but it's not actually from his production company or whatever. Um, but no, well, no his, his production company. His production company. You know, he's not, not, it's not original. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not an original. He's producing and that kind of stuff, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't formulated from, originated yes. from Adam Sandler. Yes. Which is, which is maybe why it looks good. Uh, so double thumbs up <laughs> on the trailer. Harsh. Um, yeah, I think this looks pretty good, you know? Um, I don't know enough about the Sandler family to have known that they were his kids beforehand, but, uh, you know, I think they're all fine, perfectly adequate teenagers, you know, lots of funny lines. Uh, the girl asking, uh, what was it? What was the line? Uh, do you know why people are asking if they can floss their teeth with my nipple? (laughs) That's, uh, that's a new one. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, it looks like it'll be a fun time, you know, classic, you know, teenage friendship story. Adam Sandler's wife not playing his wife in the film. Yeah, recast. Recast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is releasing on Netflix August 25th. Next trailer is for The Channeling, uh, created by Kelly Marcel, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Adina Porter, Clark Bacco, Samuel T. Herring. Apollo and Emma's love story is a fairy tale until Emma mysteriously vanishes. Bereft, uh, Apollo finds himself on a death-defying odyssey through a New York City he didn't know existed. So what did you think of this Apple TV trailer? Yeah, double thumbs up for this one. It looks absolutely wild. I don't really know what's going on, but that's fine with me. I mean, his wife disappears. She got three wishes from a genie in a lake. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I like Lakeith Stanfield. It looks like it's shot really, really well. Dark, mysterious. I'm keen. Double thumbs up. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Um, yeah. Weird, wild, uh scary visuals so i don't know if i'm going to be able to sit through the entire season but uh you know just a, yeah very well put together trailer with obviously the slow build like the reveal of like hey i've got these three wishes as soon as this red twine falls off my arm and then he cuts it like a fool um like he, he thinks he's so great uh and yeah shit 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 starts to happen towards the end shit Crazy. gets real Shit gets real. The craziness and the not real stuff. Alright. So this is coming to Apple TV Plus starting September 8th. Uh, next trailer is for Vacation Friends 2. Directed by Clay Tarver. Uh, starring Lil Ray Howery, Yvonne Orji, Orhi, uh, Meredith Hagner, John Cena, and Steve Buscemi. Marcus lands an all-expenses-paid trip to a Caribbean resort. And he and his wife, Emily, invite their uninhibited besties, Ron and Kyla. When Kyla's incarcerated father is released from St. Quentin and shows up, things get out of control. So what do you think of this trailer? Have you seen the first one? No. Okay, so I'd never even heard of this movie. I don't recall ever hearing about this franchise. Well, that's now a franchise. So I watched the second trailer and went, John Cena looks like he's having a fucking wild time in this movie. So I go back and watch the first movie's trailer to clarify if I'd ever heard of it. I'm like, no, I don't recall ever watching this trailer either. Where the fuck did this movie come from? Um, I'll go double thumbs up. Uh, everyone in the comments, YouTube section of the second film was like, you know what? The first movie was actually pretty funny. I was like, 
All right, YouTube comments. Maybe I'll watch the first one then. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll go double thumbs up. It looks like a dumb comedy, but, you know, it looks like it's at least John Cena having a wild time. Uh, yeah, I'll go one up, one down. Like, I'm all on board with the dumb comedy, but, you know. You hate okay. awkward. You hate. I do hate awkward yeah. situations, and, you know, it's, it's Mary the Tagner and John Cena seem like they would create multiple awkward situations. I think that's the whole movie. Is, yeah. yeah, right from the start when they, like, announce over a loudspeaker that they're sex offenders yeah uh yeah that's pretty awkward uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> i would imagine yeah um but yeah steve buscemi <laughs> creating issues for john cena is a sentence i don't think many people would have imagined um but yeah i believe the first movie gone went straight to streaming because of the Fox Pandemic? merger oh, oh, Fox from memory. Pandemic. I think that was a thing. So, uh, yeah. So this is coming to Disney Plus on the 25th of August. I think I'm going to watch it. Yeah? Yeah, I think I'm going to watch it. Okay. I mean, I'll watch the first one before. Watch the first one first yeah. and then decide after that. Yeah. <laughs> or are you going to commit to double No, fiction? no, I'll watch the first one first. The first one, sh- if I hate the first one, I won't watch the second one. Okay. Last trailer for this week. The Continental from the world of John Wick, developed by Greg Coolidge, Kirk Ward, Sean Simons, starring Colin Woodall, Glenn, Colin Woodall, Mel Gibson, Hubert Point, Du Jaw, Jessica Allen, Michelle Prada, Young Kate, Ben Robson, Peter Green, Aomidi Adigan, Jeremy Bob, Katie McGrath, Ray McKinnon, Adam Shapiro. Mark Musashi and Marina Mazipa. Uh, the background story of how Winston Scott in the 1970s came to his position as a proprietor of the New York branch of the Continental Chain of Hotels, safe haven for legal assassins on the grounds of which no business may ever take place. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for this John Wick spinoff? Yeah, I remember when they announced this, I was like very trepidatious because I'm like, okay, you're going to drag out an entire TV show in the John Wick universe. I just don't think that's a good idea. Now, now that we have all the information and like, what, what is it? It's just random people coming in for the continental, like just random of a hit that I don't care about. Like, yeah, cool story. Um, now that we have the full thing, I'm a lot more keen because the full thing boils down to, it's basically the origin story of Winston and about how he gets to the continental. It's only three episodes. The trailer mm. looks like it's hitting everything. Cause I'm, I was also afraid they'll forget, the reason John Wick is a franchise that people like, which is A, kick-ass action, and B, wild, like, lively personalities of characters that are, like, a lot of fun to watch on screen. Um, I'd, I'd say they're the two the two things that make John Wick work. Um, and the, based on this trailer, it looks like it's got all those things, and only being three episodes, being, like, sort of a, uh, a mini-series. Uh, yeah, I'm going to double thumbs up, and I'm, I'm actually keen for this now. I'm going to go one up, one down. I don't know. I feel like the tone is very un-John Wick-like. That yeah. was the only thing that threw me. Just one fun and wacky, you know? John Wick's the not crazy fun and music. It's dark. A dog dies, Ash. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No, but the, the tone of this trailer is fun and wacky, you know? Not the brooding, you know, revenge oh, yeah, but that's, mission. That's, uh, that's fine, because the, the, it's Winston, and Winston is <laughs> is is more lively. And John Wick is sad and depressed, so. Yeah, but, yeah. Is that what people want from the world of John Wick? 
Uh, I mean, I'm happy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it just seems to like a lot of characters thrown out. Like, I'm sure, like, some of them will just be assassins who get like killed in very in quickly. Well, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, obviously different hints and like you see the coins and all the continental stuff like they just pulled the continental right from the right from the movies i don't think they changed it to look like the 70s at all like the exterior shot um it looks like the action is pretty solid so that you know if that's good that'll be what's most important uh in three episodes apparently the three episodes are called day night day one don't Night one, night two, and night three. So it could just be taking place over the three three consecutive days, or it could just be referencing that it takes it'll be released over three weeks. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um but yeah, Winston and his brother fighting the con find their way through the continental to take control, it seems like. So I'm I'm interested to see how this pans out. Uh but this one is coming to it's coming to Peacock on September 22nd. There is no confirmed date for here in Australia, but it is assumed it'll be released day and date uh, on Prime Video, which has the deal outside of the US. All right, let's jump into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, and with Strays about to release in cinemas, this week's top three is top three live action animal movies. Dylan, what's number three? I made a rule, I'm going to say. So straight away, I ruled out any animated characters that also happen to be uh, animals. So no Space Jam or... No like, Stuart Little? No Stuart Little. Like, I need... I need, I need no The Lion King? No The Lion King. No The Lion King could have worked because it's that they're animals. Like, the the, the, okay. the recent one. But no, it's not on my list. But that's that's sort of... I had to, I had to, I had to you know, draw a line. Or okay. So with that said, number three. Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. This is the classic Disney film. Uh, Michael J. Fox and Sally Field and someone else, probably I can't remember, but, um, you know, voicing the characters, the, the animals. They're just, you know, it's not the typical sort of bunch you would see. You go together, you got a, you got a, um, a cat and two dogs and they go on adventure and, um, you know, they, they talk, but they're real animals. It's the old school way of they just shoot the animals and, you know, somehow they talk. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like it's it's sort of, you go back to this charming way of the, they're not trying to CGI lips and, <laughs> you know, they just, they somehow just talk. It's, it's fine. Um, I used to watch this a lot on the VHS, as I'm sure a lot of kids did, but uh, yeah, number three. All right. My number three is also a film starring a dog that has a voice uh, going on a journey uh, before eventually finding their way home. Mine is the 1995 film Napoleon, uh, the Australian film starring a golden retriever who accidentally gets into a balloon uh, uh, basket and gets drifted away uh, and then decides to go find the wild dogs that he hopes to join. Do you ever watch Napoleon? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah. Solid little film. Uh it's weird. Australia has like a weird history of like a bunch of like animal movies. Like, mm. you know, I'm sure another one will feature high on the list, but, uh, you know, you've got, there was like that Joey movie, there's Paws, 
Kangaroo the real Jack. McCaw, Kangaroo Jack, <laughs> even the Red Dog movies recently. Yeah, true. You know, yeah. it, you know, it's a standard bearer in Australia. So yeah, mm. uh, Napoleon voice by Razor Razorback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, they're they're either kid they're either kids movies or horror movies. You yeah. know, you can go yeah. either way. Yeah. You know, that and what, what was the crocodile one? <laughs> yep, crawl. No, rogue. Yeah, rogue. Yep. Yep. Uh, Napoleon, voiced by Jamie Croft, who seemed to be in an Australian kids movie at the time. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Dylan, what's your number two? My number two is the 2001 film Cats and Dogs. Dylan, my number two is the number <laughs> 2001 movie Cats and Dogs. <laughs> wow, there you go. Um, I was about to say, I didn't know if our age difference was matter for this one, but yeah, I, I watched this film a fucking lot. Uh, when it came out and for the next couple of years. It used to be on quite a lot in my house growing up. Um was a favourite between me and my brother. Uh, I don't know, looking back, if I'd say it's a bad movie, I don't know if I could. I feel like I, I've got complete blinders on for this movie to the point that I just would enjoy it no matter what. Now, they tried to make some sequels. They all suck. Um, this movie made me hate cats for a very long period of my life. Uh, it sort of turned me against them. Um, now, I'm sort of back around. I can I can, I can get down with the cats. But yeah, for a, for a long time here, I was like, no. Cats are the worst. Dogs are real animals. And um, also made me like uh, beagles. For a while there, I wanted a beagle growing up. I was like, Mom, can we have a beagle? No, probably not. Okay, whatever. Uh, Yeah, classic. (laughs) Classic. It was a really, really good movie. Really, really good kids movie. Yeah, really good, enjoyable kids movie. Just that genius premise, like the war between cats and dogs. Uh, that we never see. They're spies. And the major premise is someone has found a cure to uh stopping people being allergic to dogs and cats mm. like no we need to fuck that up <laughs> we we need to fix that we need to make people allergic to all dogs and then dogs will be killed off you know my all- favorite i think my favorite scene as i was growing up that made me laugh was the stupid like skinless cats coming in with the furball coughing and the like the, they're trying to be all ninjas and secretive and yeah yeah it's good shit good shit uh, the main dog, voiced by Tobey Maguire. Yep. Spider-Man and this in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> Two classics. Yep. Uh, of course, Mr. Tinkles, voiced by Sean Hayes. Very important as well. So, yeah. Two sequels after that. Not good. I watched the second one. I never watched the third one. Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Mm. Uh, and then there was... Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite. Yeah, I remember looking at the poster and seeing the glasses on that dog and going, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> a border collie named Roger and a cat named Gwen are two fart secret agents. Furry animal rivalry termination. Wow. Yep. So, you know, take it mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. Dylan, what's your number one? Number one, it's Babe. Dylan, my number one is Babe. Yeah. At least I would, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of animal movies. The fact that only our third one was different. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you would have cats and dogs. I feel like we, I kind of expect us both to have Babe, but yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, Babe. So obviously growing up in Australia, I feel like everyone watched Babe as a kid. Like, is it not just part of I don't know if kids still do. If not, you know, parents fix your, fix how you're raising your kids. But you know, yeah. Babe is a institutional Australian kids family film. 
and everyone should watch it. It's fantastic. You know, you got this fantastic voice cast. You've got such a lovely group of animals. You got Babe going around just trying to be friends. You got James Cromwell sort of not being terrible in this, but he's a nice guy too. And then, um, I don't know. There's nothing bad about the movie. I don't, I don't have anything bad to say. Do you have anything bad you could say about Babe? I don't know. I do have not. Ha- I do not have anything bad you could say about the movie. Okay. Um, yeah, it's an institution uh, nominated for Academy Awards. Just the just the effects that they were able to do, crazy. Um, just a very wholesome story. Um, it is still weird seeing James Cromwell in other projects. Mm. Yeah, because you always think of him as the farmer. Mm. You know, uh, but you know, <laughs> it is weird. Um, yeah, just you know. Did it put me off pork? Nah, I'll still eat a pork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, yeah, but super enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine any kids growing up not watching this film. Yeah, come yeah. on. Even like, you know, the rainy day at school, this would be an easy one to put on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Um, This week, I would like to... Well, apparently in cinemas, how to blow up a fucking pipelines playing but it's not playing near me <laughs> it's i'm pretty sure it's just how to blow up a pop yep i'd love to watch that so that if i could pick anything that would be my pick however out of things i know i'm going to be able to watch uh strays is going to be the yeah the movie or i can go watch this week um on the tv side of things i've got absolutely fucking nothing yeah for me like you said strays how to blow up a pop line top of the list but also blackberry is releasing this week that'd be cool to see let's know what you want to watch this week uh by going to explosion.com slash twitter uh or jump to discord at explosion.com slash discord or find us on any social media at explosion pod uh if you want to help us out here at what do you want to watch leave us a review on apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. leaves five stars anyone can leave five stars or just tell people about the show and if you've enjoyed this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our coach page and explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.